Welcome to the Rusty George Podcast, where each month we'll be tackling issues from the Bible to culture, community, and of course, sports. Thank you for listening. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the Rusty George Podcast, everybody. Happy New Year to everyone, and uh, a new year and a new format for the podcast, and um, and a new time length as well. Uh, so we, exactly, we love talking into a microphone so much that we're going to be doing it for an extended amount of time, past fifteen minutes. So, uh, so we're glad you're with us. And uh, I'm Josh, the online campus pastor at Real Life Church, and with me. As always, uh, on his own podcast is Rusty George, the senior pastor at Real Life Church, and uh, we are in the midst of a movies series. Yes, at the movies, which I absolutely love. We did this at the uh, young adult uh, service, the bridge at Real Life uh, last year, and uh-huh. it, was, it was just great fun. Yeah, and um, it, it's just so specific to real life and and that's one of the things that I love most about working here is that like part of our story is that we started in a movie theater right, uh, right. I know that's kind of been a trend for church planning th- throughout the last decade or so but right. it's so cool to have like started in a movie theater and now like with the launch of this new series at the movies and with the launch of the Canyon Country campus at the right. movie theater in Canyon Country it's just really, really awesome to have that as part of your story and part of your mm-hmm. uh, your genesis because, like you've been saying, I mean, it fits into like Jesus' parables and things like that so well. I mean, movies are basically like our modern day parables. Correct. And uh, that's just a really cool thing. So, right. Um, before we get started, I mean, you got to ask. So, what's your f- favorite all time movie <laughs> and why? I always hate that question because there's so many <laughs> genres that it's hard to pick. So, um, you know, I have probably a favorite comedy and a favorite um, thriller and all those kind of things. But the, the movie I always answer uh, for my favorite movie of all time has got to be The Godfather. Mm. Uh, I just think that that movie, first of all, has great actors in it, has great acting in it. It's a compelling story. I'm fascinated by the mob, and uh, <laughs> I just think that whole thing is very interesting. But... Just the, the whole story itself of a guy who was not interested at all in being a part of the family business, but kind of gets thrust into it because of his you know father's demise, and, and then ends up taking it on. And you can kind of see the progression of this guy from a good guy to a bad guy. Um, and it started off with good intentions. And I know people talk about the TV show Breaking Bad as the greatest series right, of right. all time because you watch the demise of this one individual, and it all starts in episode one. Um, for me, The Godfather does that same thing. And what, what's so interesting is that it's um, it's the way we justify all of our bad decisions uh, for the sake of the family or for a greater good. Mm. And that you that carries all the way through from the first one to the second one to even yeah. the third one, which true Godfather fans uh, don't often acknowledge. Right. It's like Rocky uh, Five. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We skip over Rocky Five. <laughs> Go right to Rocky Balboa. Uh, but for me, that's, that's the best. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, I mean, we're doing this series at a church, and conversations about God, it seems, are increasing in our culture more and more. But this is happening a lot of times outside of the church. Um, in fact, a lot of times church 
isn't even invited into the conversation between you know film the film industry and Hollywood, right? Uh, because people either don't care or they're, they're they're just tired of the you know the same old answers that the church has given on Hollywood, mm-hmm. uh, such as that it's not relevant, it's even evil or demonic, mm-hmm. and um, one of these areas is definitely filmed to where that that intersection of faith and um, film is is happening, and so we work in a church that has traditionally speaking. Um, this unique mission we we communicate it all the time to help people find and follow Jesus and be a church for unchurched people, people who have been disenchanted by church, uh, who have been hurt by church, who want nothing to do with church even, um, and they they still find a way to walk through our door. Mm-hmm. And so when they do when they do that and they come into this movie series, how can we um, not even just real life, but like the church in general, capital C church? How can we, the church, kind of jump back into that conversation? Um, how can we do a better job as a faith community um, at being a voice that people can trust about God and doing that through movies? Wow, that's a lot to, to process there, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great question. Um, I heard it said one time that in the, in the medieval times of the Renaissance area that the church saved the arts because they were the ones that protected them and, and created most of them. Mm. And in our culture today, the arts are saving the church. Um, you, you look at it, and obviously on any given weekend, there's a lot more people in movie theaters than there are in, than they are in churches. Um, and movies are talking about God. Uh, movies are talking about spirituality. And they always have, because uh, I, somebody once said that the only three questions that the movies are really answering is, who are you, and where are you, and right. what are you doing? And, right. and everybody wants to know who we are, and it all starts back to where did we come from. Um, so many movies have tried to get at that, and you're right; they haven't allowed the church into the um, into the equation. the The movie Contact from mm, yep. 20 years ago or so, you know, was written by a guy who was pretty much an atheist, but still had those questions. And Matthew McConaughey's character in that movie said, "I'm a man." He was a a, a, a pastor, a reverend. Mm-hmm. He said, "I'm a man of the cloth without the cloth." Mm-hmm. And I think that is definitely the way that um, Hollywood has portrayed how they want to talk about spirituality by leaving the church out of it. And in some ways, we haven't done ourselves any favors. True. Uh, We've criticized, as you said. Um, We have segregated ourselves. Um, We've just simply said, no, you're wrong and I'm right. And we haven't let the conversation begin. I'm always amazed when I look at the stories of Jesus that he engages in relationship and in conversation first before he lays the lumber on people of truth. And there's always a great amount of grace and love first before truth comes around, um, which could be the answer to your question of how do we re-engage. And I think there are some filmmakers out there that are desperately trying to do that Mm -hmm. um, by building bridges rather than just uh, uh, burning them down. Yeah, for sure. And and I love that you mentioned like the the art thing because the movies. That's I mean they're arguably pieces of art. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I I think they are and. Uh, you know, it, it's a story that assumes a speaker and an audience and then assumes a response to that piece of art. Um, and those stories kind of invite us in and they mm-hmm. inspire dialogue and uh, we talk about them. And, you know, people may not want to come to church, but they'll go to a coffee house after they see a movie and discuss it with people. And, and, right. and in fact, you know, one of those questions I like to ask people as an icebreaker even is, you know, one of the if I'm meeting somebody new, what's what movies have you seen lately mm-hmm. what type, or what's your favorite movie? You know what I mean? Right. And um, it tells you a lot about who they are, right? Really, to be honest, and it tells you how deep they think, and you know what they're kind of attracted to. So, we often criticize, as we were talking about 
you know, Hollywood being the enemy of faith and, you know, pop culture is a bad influence. We got to stay away as much as possible. Yet Hollywood, as you were kind of saying towards the end there, even with like directors and producers uh, and actors on down to everything, Hollywood plays such a critical role in the stories we hear and the stories we tell to one another and the stories that we kind of think about ourselves mm-hmm. uh, and insert ourselves into and resonate with. Uh, and therefore, the stories that we're changed by. Right. And so, where is that intersection? So, how can Hollywood and the films they produce actually enhance our Christian faith too? Yeah, I think that's a that's a, a good question because most of us just tend to look at it as, okay, did the movie tell a great story where everybody wins and God is glorified? Well, those are great. You know, I love those kind of movies. We watch those with our kids. Um, we all love uh, the movie where everybody wins and everybody gives their life to Christ at the end, you know, and, <laughs> and those kind of things. And, you know, whether it's Fireproof or War Room or, you know, Remember the Giants or those kind of things. Oh, yeah, Facing you know, the Giants. Facing the yeah, Giants, yeah. yeah. I got that confused with Remember the Titans. How <laughs> um, dare you. Th- those are all, all great, and they all have their place. But there are even some that highlight our inadequacies and our imperfections that are worth seeing as well because it reminds us of, of our great need. I think of Schindler's List. Mm. Um, you know, here was a movie that that really portrayed the horrors of the Holocaust um, and and a, a savior character through the whole thing in Oscar Schindler uh, and the impact that his life had. Um, were there awful things in that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's awful things in the Bible, but it's not the point of the Bible. Um, th- these kind of stories have a way to uh, to talk about kind of what links we will go to uh, and for what reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that when we watch movies, like you said, some of them are just, you know, they're worthless. Um, <laughs> but some of them, they evoke an emotion in us. Yeah. Um, I-, I think about that scene in Shawshank where... Uh, um, they play the opera song, you know. Yes. I don't know what those two ladies were singing about, but it was the most beautiful <laughs> thing I'd ever heard. You know, it's that interjection of beauty into our world um, that causes us to stop and pause and wonder, why does that mean so much to me? And I think that this was a, this is the question I was driving at there. When I watch a movie that may not be one that ends happily ever after, but it evokes emotion in me, I think that's a moment for me to pause and say, why did that... Why did that touch me in that way? Why did that grab my heart that way? What's God doing right now in my life? Am I in a season of fall, winter, spring, or summer that causes me to lean in at that story versus not be interested? That causes me to cry in this movie as opposed to not be interested? I'm a sucker for the sports movies because I'm, I'm obviously I love sports, but I played sports, and I love the team aspect of things. I love the camaraderie. And remember the Titans gets me every time. Mm. I, I could choke up <laughs> talking about that because of the team element in that. And um, so many other movies in that vein. And a lot of war movies, too, where guys go to battle together. I think that's so big for all of us as, as men because we long for that companionship and friendship. We just don't always know how to achieve it. Right. And it seems like it's only in the battlefield where we can find it. Yeah, yeah. I think those are all just excellent examples. And somebody, I, I'm reminded of a quote that somebody posted on uh, Facebook from Online Campus uh, over the last few days. And I think it was by Henry David Thoreau. 
but he said something to the matter of perhaps it doesn't matter what you're looking at as opposed to what you're seeing when you do look at it. And um, many of us don't have the eyes to kind of see what we're interpreting in, in right. a lot of these films or, you know, so-called violent or disturbing images mm-hmm. uh, because we lack the imagination to kind of grasp what they're trying to say to us or they're trying to make us see. And it, there's a fundamental difference between the violence of, you know, say, Band of Brothers or, uh, you know, the violence of one of the 22 Saw movies. <laughs> you know, like one of them, you know, you, you watch Band of Brothers or Saving Private Ryan or like a war movie like that. Yep. You're, 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 you're disturbed by the images, but you're captivated by the story. Right. And you're transformed by what those soldiers went through and what they're doing. And now they call us to respond and be more faithful citizens or, you know, what have you. But you go to a slasher film or something, and you, right. you know, what are you getting out of that? And right. so, um, w- well, you know, one could argue that... Escapism. Yeah, escapism. <laughs> <laughs> to see somebody but, in a worse situation than ourselves. But yeah, it, it speaks to that, like, sometimes I think even we as the church just lack the imagination to actually see something and create meaning out of some of these movies that maybe even wasn't intended in the first place but mm. is nonetheless there and being communicated mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what pieces of art do right they right. they draw you in even if that wasn't what that artist necessarily intended by that picture or brush stroke or medium or whatever right um y- you nonetheless encounter god through them and you're right. transformed by them and i think y- you look at art history in the christian faith like you mentioned earlier, it's been so in, such an intricate part, especially during the Renaissance. Um, so, you know, my question is, why not now? I mm-hmm. mean, one of my favorite places to go in Los Angeles, my wife and I, is to the Getty Center. And, like, mm-hmm. i got to spend at least five hours there because there's so much to see. But um, And she can tell you, like, a few summers ago, there was a James Ensor exhibit there. And mm-hmm. he's, like, my all-time favorite uh, artist. He's a Belgian Expressionist painter. Anyways... Uh, I came back from that exhausted because hmm. literally there was just so much emotion from that encounter that I just could not process right there. Like hmm. it, it took me a while to process it. And uh, there's a number of theologians who became theologians in the first place because of encounters they had outside the church or with art and culture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so if these types of encounters can be fostered in artistic expressions and images, why can't they be? Right, especially through movies. Right, so. I completely agree. This yeah. may be off subject, but have I told you my favorite Van Gogh story? Huh. Okay, so Van Gogh, before he was a painter, was a preacher. I don't know if you knew this or not, but he uh, went to this little coal mining town and he would preach, and he's you know he would write that he didn't feel like he connected at all. Yeah. And this went on for about a year. And one day, while he was up there preaching, he noticed everybody in the town was leaning in rather than checking their watch to leave. Hmm. And it was that day he said, I noticed that my face had become black like theirs from the coal in the town. So as he began to look more like them, they began to listen more to him. So fast forward years later, um, after Van Gogh dies, he decides he's not much of a preacher, so he turns out to be a painter. Um, He becomes obviously very famous a lot after, mainly after he's dead. They come back to the town and they interview people there. Did you know Vincent Van Gogh? And they said, we don't know that name, hmm. but we know Jesus lived here. And they would, would begin to refer to him as Jesus because he was so Christ-like in the way that he related to them by becoming one of them. 
I was always fascinated by that story because, I mean, obviously his life ends a little bit tragic. Right. He kind of uh, loses his mind. But in the process, um, he's really just trying to uh, to portray the goodness of God. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like you can lose your mind doing that. But <laughs> yes. So true. <laughs> no, that's, that's, yeah, that's a really good story. And, and, and I think back to the, just the, you mentioned it in the, in the, in the messages too. And we mentioned it earlier, like, how movies are likened to parables. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the things we talked about in the online community um, a while back when we were doing parable series mm-hmm. um, and uh, that it's hard to make dogma or rules out mm-hmm. of parables and stories and it can be dangerous to attempt that. Uh, do you think part of the reason why Christian communities have been so resistant to movies is that they take that kind of structure uh, like we focus so much uh, about you know Genesis and in the beginning to Revelation and they live happily ever after. Like we forget that this, there's so many stories in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, in other words, do you think we focus too much on the rules and dogma all the time that we neglect to maybe honor the stories that and experiences that we have outside them? Oh, I do. I think that we, and this is the the. You know, modernity playing its role in our minds of everything has to have a, you know, a place. Yeah. I remember when the movie The Matrix came out and the Christian yes. community got very excited because it, you know, it's the Trinity and yeah, yeah. Father, Son, Holy Christ Spirit. Figure and, exactly. Yeah. And it was like everybody was struggling to try to figure out how to, to line everything up. Okay. So Morpheus is God the Father and uh, is, I think her name was Trinity, right? She was. Yeah. She's the spirit, yep. and he's in. Keanu Reeves is the son, which is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know they they wanted to match everybody up to the point where I heard somebody say, "I think I figured out who John the Baptist is." Well, I don't think that was the intent yeah. at all. And yeah. so I think to answer your question, I think we get a little too worried about making sense of everything rather than, as you said, figuring out what is this emotion that it's evoking in mm-hmm. me and creating in me that. It causes me to recognize there's a greater sense of wonder here and yeah. a bigger thing going on. The Bible is a story in and of itself. It's kind of the predominant narrative that I think we should constantly be interpreting our lives through. Right. And those narratives can be taken and used in different ways, both good and bad. And I think that the good is actually worth the bad that comes with it sometimes. And I think it's the same for movies. Okay. Not all movies are, you know, not all stories are good representations of our experience or reality. But right. For the good ones, right? Um, I think the bad ones are rendered inept, right? And um, so I agree. Yeah, and it, yeah, those are great examples of that. So, uh, rapid fire time. Okay, I got a series of quotes here, so we're gonna okay. play a game, and I want you to, um, in an answer that is more of a yes or no. Are the uh, quotes from The Godfather? <laughs> we can go down that road <laughs> if you want to, but um, I'm gonna throw out a few quotes, and um, you can just kind of say what you think about them. So. Um, here's one that I posted on the online campus page, uh, reflecting on the movie theater. Uh, Martin Scorsese says this, mm. The first sensation was that of entering a magical world, the soft carpet, the smell of fresh popcorn, the darkness, the sense of safety, and above all, the sanctuary. Much the same in my mind as entering a church, a place of dreams, and a place that excited and stretched my imagination. What do mm-hmm. you think about that one? I love that. And I remember watching that documentary where he does a whole thing on film, which was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, he grew up Catholic, and so he has a lot of time in church. And 
I think most of the church would say that most of his movies are are, uh, <laughs> are are pretty much outside the church, and especially The Last Temptation of Christ, which mm-hmm. I love the Rich Mullins quote about that movie. And many of you may not remember Rich Mullins, but he was a singer-songwriter years ago, and he, re- he didn't know about the movie. When the movie came out, somebody said to him, everybody's picketing down at the theater because of the movie. And he said, what's the movie? Last Temptation of Christ. He said, what's the movie about? It's about Jesus being human. (laughs) And he said, I think that's called the gospel. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, And I'm not advocating that movie. I haven't even seen that movie, but I I digress. I think what he's saying there is there is a tremendous sense of wonder when you go into a theater of what's the story going to be? How's it going to unfold? Especially good movies. And that should be the sense of wonder we feel when we walk into the church, mm-hmm. even when we open our Bible and when we spend time with God. Um, the sense of wonder of what is he going to do rather than just a list of rules. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, William Defoe rocked that role, by the way. You, you should see it. <laughs> um, you already mentioned this one, but um, it says, Like religion, a good movie really does answer the only three questions worth asking in life. Yeah. Who you are, where you come from, and what you should do. Yes. And that is... Uh, Mercer shoe cart. Yes, yes. Well, it's very similar to all stories. Basically, have four components to them. I think is what uh, Donald Miller says. Oh yeah, the plot and the resolve and all those things. I mean, this these are the stories we tell each other. You come home, you tell your wife about your day. You usually structure it in some kind of way. You know, you tell your kids a story from your past. You have a structure to it, and movies do the same thing. And the structure is about who we are. Yeah, yeah. All right, last one. This is by George Miller. And he says, I believe the cinema is now the most powerful secular religion and people gather in cinemas to experience things collectively the way they once did in church. The cinema storytellers have become the new priests. They're doing a lot of the work that our religious institutions, which have so concretized the metaphors of their stories, taken to so much of the poetry, mystery, and mysticism out of religious belief, that people look for other places to question their spirituality. I'd agree. Um, I think that the modern church really did try to put everything in a neat little package yeah. and didn't leave a lot of uh, room for wrestling with things. I think that Gen X fought against that. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the a couple of TV shows come to mind. One is ER. Yep. It was the first show that began to have multiple plot lines and they didn't all get resolved. Yep. And some didn't get resolved well. Um, and then Seinfeld. I mean, mm-hmm. here's a show that had multiple storylines and, you know, was a show about nothing. Um, and it left it just, you know, once again, there was no happy ending. There was mm-hmm. no everybody lives happily ever after. There's no resolve. Um, I think that Jesus is comfortable with that in a lot of his stories and yeah. a lot of the things that he says. Definitely. And in order to let people wrestle with that, I think that's where the, the beauty of life groups come in because a lot of wrestling goes on there without a lot of resolve, which frustrates some of us that like A to B. Um, but the joy is in the journey mm-hmm. and recognizing that if you can sum up God, uh, then that's, he fails to be God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So was Fred Craddock said, most of us act like we've walked around God and taken pictures. Yeah. We, we, we don't know it all, so let's live in the mystery. Mm. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Rusty, for... You didn't tell us your favorite movie. My favorite movie is Good Will Hunting. Oh, I yeah. can see that. I am you. a big fan of Good Will Hunting. I can so. see that, yeah. Yeah, I resonate with that movie. Okay. Very, very well. Okay. And so, yeah. 
Ocean's but, Eleven is up there too. Oh my and, goodness! And Shawshank. So, I, I, what is it about the Ocean's movies? I just love those. I they're know, fantastic. I know that they are just fun popcorn yes. movies, but it's the whole heist thing. Yes. That I think is fantastic. Yeah, and the thought that goes into those, yes. I think, is what just yes. gets me uh, captivated every time. So, the, was it the Italian job? Yeah, that that was a great. Yeah, that movie was a good one well. too. They were supposed to do another one of those, but yeah, whatever. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you. But yeah, thank you, man. We'll see you guys next month. Thanks so much for listening today. If you have a moment, we'd love for you to go to iTunes and write a review and share this with your friends on social media, and just by word of mouth. It's been great to have you here. We'll see you next month.